Welcome to Stories from the Revolution podcast. I'm John White, and this is episode number 35. The revolution that we are talking about is the massive spiritual paradigm shift that is currently underway in the U.S. and around the world. In these stories, I'm seeking to describe what the revolution looks like and how you can join in. In these current episodes that we're working on right now, we're focusing on a key element of that revolution. It is the core value of being Jesus-led. This value is the natural and obvious response to Jesus's identity as Emmanuel, God with us. He's not only present with us, but as would be true between any friends, he desires an intimate, two-way, conversational relationship with us. That's the key phrase, an intimate, conversational relationship. Now, at first glance, being Jesus-led would be an obvious value for any Christian, right? But what I'm suggesting is that in practice, somehow this connection between Jesus as, as Emmanuel, the God who is with us, on the one hand, and being actually Jesus-led in the present. This connection has often broken down. And the sad thing is that we don't even realize it. Now, in the previous episode, I gave you my example of my seminary professors. They would all have affirmed in an instant that Jesus was Emmanuel. But not once in my four years did any of them stop in class to suggest that we actually listen to the God who is present. And here's the amazing thing. It did not even occur to any of us that there was something wrong with this picture, something inconsistent about this way of training church leaders. How could this have been? I believe that that pattern of behavior can best be explained by a brilliant and insidious strategy of the enemy that keeps much of, much of Christianity from being Jesus-led in practice. Now, by the way, I really like the word insidious here. I had to go look it up to get exactly what the definition is. And here, here's what the definition is. Insidious means operating or proceeding in an inconspicuous or seemingly harmless way, but actually with grave effect. That's it. I think that's exactly what's going on here. There is then, as Dr. Kraft wrote, uh, an insidious virus that has infected much of Christianity. So what exactly is this brilliant strategy of the enemy? What is this insidious virus? Dr. Kraft, in the last episode, gave it a name. He called it functional deism. And I want to repeat here the quote that I shared with you in the last episode. This is a quote from Dr. Kraft's book because I think it is so important. It captures the essence of what we're talking about here. Again, this is Dr. Charles Kraft, who was a professor at Fuller Seminary. And he's writing a book called Christianity with Power your worldview, and your experience of the supernatural. Now, obviously, the word worldview is key here, <clears throat> that many of us have a worldview that we're not even aware of, 
but it really affects how much of the power of Christianity we experience. So here's the quote. Though we as evangelicals would contend that deism embodies an unacceptable and even heretical understanding of God's relation to the universe, I am afraid that we may have been infected. I have found altogether too much similarity between my own basic assumptions and those of deists. That's really an honest statement by Dr. Kraft. We, and he's speaking as evangelicals, have maintained stoutly that God once did miraculous things, the things recorded in scripture, and he will again do such things at the close of the age. In the present day, however, we tend to believe that God has stopped talking and doing the incredible things we read about in scripture. Now we see God limiting himself to working through the Bible, inspired record of what he used to do. The speaking he used to do now comes indirectly through rationalistic reasoning in books, lectures, and sermons. Wow, that says it so well. Now, to understand functional deism, we need to start by taking a brief look at what deism is. This was a philosophy that became quite popular in the 1700s during an age that was called the Age of Enlightenment or the Age of Reason. That sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Who would not want to be enlightened or use your reason? But here's the key idea. Reason, not God, became the primary source of authority and legitimacy. The mind, primarily here the left brain, became the most important aspect of who we are as humans. It's a reason over revelation, especially revelation of scripture. Deists believe that there was a God, but he, she, or it is impersonal and distant. Distance, the key word. Sometimes they talked about God as the master clockmaker. He created the world, kind of wound it up like he would a clock, and then he withdrew. And now it's our job to use our minds to figure out the basic principles and to seek to live by them. We don't actually need him to be present anymore. God, Jesus, is not Emmanuel. He is not present with us. And that's the key theological concept. Our minds, our ability to reason is all that we need. So a conversational relationship with Jesus, God, is off the table. From the enemy's perspective, the individual is now safe from Emmanuel. That's the one thing that enemy does not want us to know, that Jesus truly is Emmanuel. Once he has accomplished that, you see, There's no danger of us being Jesus-led, and that's deism. You might have heard of Thomas Jefferson's Bible. This is a very interesting story, and it gives us a good picture of what deism actually looks like. So Thomas Jefferson created his own New Testament by taking a razor to the Bible. He cut out any reference to miracles or anything supernatural like the the resurrection. He focused entirely on Jesus as a wise teacher. And then he pasted everything back together 
And as a result, he had shrunk the, the New Testament down to 84 pages of his own making. That's the key phrase, isn't it? His own making. But doesn't that sound admirable? Thomas Jefferson was passionate about the pure teachings of Jesus, or at least some of Jesus' teachings. The problem was that while he accepted the teachings of Jesus, or at least the teachings he agreed with, he actually rejected Jesus as Emmanuel. Jefferson's mind was offended by anything supernatural, so he just excluded that from his Bible. So Jefferson sort of sounds like a follower of Jesus, doesn't he? But in fact, he is rejecting one key idea, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. That's deism. So that's a short explanation of deism. Now, I seriously doubt that anyone listening to this podcast is a deist. However, as Dr. Kraft wrote, we might be infected with something a little different, functional deism. What exactly is this? This insidious scheme, I like to use that word now, allows us to intellectually affirm that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. So as to our beliefs, our theology, we are not like Thomas Jefferson. But you know that one of the symptoms of the COVID virus is that you might actually lose your sense of smell or your sense of taste, at least for a while. One of the symptoms of functional deism, I think, is that we lose uh, our, our ability to see. Specifically, the ability to see that, though functionally, see that functionally we're actually living like Jefferson. We live as though Jesus is not the God who is with us, or if he is with us, he is no longer speaking in any present personal way. And so we're right back to relying on our own reason, our own ability, here's the key phrase, to figure things out instead of asking Jesus what he wants us to know. Now, do you remember those little bracelets that were popular a few years ago? They had the four initials on it and a question mark, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Lots of people wore those. I mean, it sounds really good, doesn't it? I would contend it's actually another example of functional deism. It means that it's my job to figure out what Jesus would do in any situation. Actually, we should be asking an entirely different question. The question that we should be asking, if we believe that Jesus is present, and that is, Jesus, what are you actually doing in this situation? A conversation with him, an intimate two-way conversation is a lot different than trying to figure things out. Functional deism is effective for a great deal of Christianity because it's disguised. It's hidden so effectively that we're not even aware of it. And it's at work in many contexts, seminaries, churches, Bible studies, ministries, and even our own individual relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's really quite brilliant, don't you think? We can sing songs about Emmanuel, but often we don't actually experience Emmanuel. We can't perceive him speaking to us. So this is at the heart of the revolution we are talking about, a paradigm shift. The old paradigm, 
It's all about figuring out biblical principles and then seeking to apply them. I want to repeat, we're still going to do this. We love the Bible and we recognize that it points us to God's truth. But scripture also points us to Emmanuel, the God who is with us and who speaks to us. Every significant figure in the Bible experienced God speaking to them. This was normal behavior. I mean, go back and look it up. Adam, Abraham, David, Peter, Paul, we can make a long list. And most of all, Jesus. John 5.19, a verse that I quote a lot. We think this is one of the most important passages in the New Testament that explains the ministry of Jesus. John 5.19, where Jesus says, I do nothing on my own initiative. My ministry is not about me trying to figure out what my father is up to. But he says, I only do those things that I see my father doing. And later on in John 12, he says, I only speak those things that I hear the father speaking. It's an amazing statement. So in Dr. Kraft's book, he lists a number of symptoms of functional deism. In the next episodes, we'll take a look at some of these. Here's one just as an example. One example of functional deism is that we focus on, quote, doing things decently and in order. Isn't that a good thing? I mean, that's actually a phrase from 1 Corinthians 14. But it becomes a way that we seek to control things. Uh, Small group meetings, uh, Bible studies, church services. And it's really the issue of who is in control. But what if God has a different definition of decently and in order? You know, God is often doing things in a way that's so different than we would ever have expected. Anyway, we'll take a look at those different symptoms. And uh, you may be, be surprised at how pervasive this virus actually is. I, I'm suggesting that it is pandemic. Here's an assignment I'd like to suggest for you this week. I'd like you to take a look at your, at your life. Take a look at your church. Take a look at your, your ministry. Um, and ask the question, has the insidious virus of functional deism been at work? How would you know? It's actually pretty simple. Do you, as your community, frequently stop and ask a question like this? Jesus, how are you feeling about me today? How are you feeling about us? Jesus, what do you want me to know or us to know about this situation? What do you want us to know about this passage of scripture? As Jesus said in John 10, the question is, are you continually hearing the voice of the shepherd or are you spending your time trying to figure out what you think God is up to in any situation? Okay, for now, this is John White. I'm excited about the revolution that's underway. We're just seeing lots of indications of this. I'm excited to be recovering the value and practice of being Jesus-led. I'm excited to be one of his sheep that is learning to continually hear his voice. And I'm excited to be on the journey with you.